Hi, I'm Lauren Burdett, and you're listening to Life as Spiritual Practice, a podcast where we explore what it's like to experience ordinary aspects of life as ways to connect with the divine. If you are feeling stuck in your spiritual journey and looking for new ways to deepen your relationship with the holy, this might be the inspiration you've been looking for. Before we get started, a disclaimer. If you've been listening with me, you know I'm a spiritual director, and one of the ways I listen is through silence. I will use silence in our conversation to savor what my guest is sharing and to listen for where the conversation should flow next. I promise I won't leave in such long silences that it becomes really uncomfortable, but it might feel awkward. And when you come to an awkward pause, I invite you to enter that and take it as an invitation to notice what is happening within your own soul. I am delighted to introduce today's guest, John Creasy. John is Associate Pastor for Mission and Worship at the Open Door Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a church he helped found over a decade ago. John is also the founder and executive director of Garfield Community Farm, a three-acre permaculture project on abandoned city land. John and his wife, Alyssa, create music together with their band, This Side of Eve, and release Take Me Down in December of 2018. They also wrote the music you're hearing right now. They have three kids who are learning to love music, the outdoors, and the beauty of God's creation. John, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am thrilled. And when you and I talked about how to frame our conversation, we went back and forth on talking about farming as spiritual practice versus permaculture as spiritual Mm -hmm. practice. And I thought maybe we could just start with what is permaculture? Yeah, uh, permaculture is, uh, to me, it's looking at how creation works, how ecological systems work, Mm -hmm. and having a deep enough understanding of of the these complex systems in creation and then using that understanding to create um human uh abundance and thriving Hmm. how would you and how would you say that that's different from farming uh when we say farming uh, what what comes to mind is um, planting row crops to get yeah. a harvest for people. Um, so while uh, permaculture definitely um, we're looking to get an abundant harvest of many different things um, with permaculture, we're looking to farm really and garden. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's much broader and it really, for me, permaculture really gets into the the deeper kind of connection that humanity has mm. with the rest of life and uh, you know the, the rest of creation mm. so it's this um, kind of big picture and systems thinking I'm hearing you know looking at yeah, the whole system. Yeah, systems thinking and, um, I mean, permaculture for a lot of people kind of get into it thinking it's just a way of, you know, a gardening method or a farming mm-hmm. method and realize, mm-hmm. well, this is a lot bigger than I thought. And a yeah. lot of people get overwhelmed quickly as I did in the beginning. Um, 
but uh but it, yeah it really taps into something deeper for me um something about um even issues of of justice and mm-hmm. um striving toward the way things are supposed to be uh hu- humanity's relationship to creation and relationship to each other um is addressed in permaculture I have so many questions about what you just said, (laughs) but first I want to start with, take me back to that beginning and how, how were you first introduced to permaculture? Yeah. So back in, uh, 2008, uh, the open door church, myself and, you know, a few other people in in the church kind of had this idea, this vision to create a community garden of some sort on abandoned land in one of the neighborhoods where we um, uh, are, were doing church, really, a neighborhood called Garfield. And uh, we found three acres of land where there were once houses and nothing was happening other than bulldozers had come through and torn down those houses in, in the decades prior. And um, And we got connected with some folks that had a similar vision for that land. Um, I mean, we were looking for a vacant lot where we could grow some mm-hmm. tomatoes and we found 25 vacant lots. Wow. So we, uh, we got connected with some folks here in Pittsburgh and they were using language that I didn't understand, like permaculture and biodynamic and mm-hmm. uh, you know, all sorts of uh, <laughs> really creative, interesting words that, uh, that, that are about farming and gardening in certain ways. And, um, we just by chance got connected with a guy named Daryl Fry, who uh, is an author and permaculture educator and has been doing that sort of work for uh, about 25 years and got connected with him. And, um, and he uh, kind of took us under his wing and, and helped us get this project started and really develop a deep understanding of, um of how we can transform these three acres of really degraded land into something that's abundant and and beautiful and ecologically healthy that sounds so exciting i can't imagine what it was like to it sounds exciting and overwhelming you know to be looking for one vacant lot and find out actually there's 25 here for you and yeah it was literally we we had this small idea this (laughs) this idea to start a little community garden and the 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 whole thing just snowballed very quickly (laughs) into uh, creating what we now call Garfield Community Farm and um not only did we find way more land than we thought we would, but we 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 began very quickly finding that um, churches wanted to support what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, you know, we kind of shared this vision to create a, a a community farm, and we started getting checks in the mail and volunteer groups coming wow. just about every weekend. And, um, wow. Yeah, it 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 became very clear. And you can probably remember these days, uh, like I do. Uh, it started to become very clear quickly that God was doing something 
and we just needed to mm. kind of, as, as uh, Pastor BJ says, get our sails up and uh, and discern, you know, where where is this wind? Mm. Where is God taking us right now? Mm-hmm. And latch on to that. So we did the best we could with that, and um, and now we're. 11 years into this mm-hmm. and, and it's still going and still changing and still very, I mean, it still feels new and dynamic, which is, is pretty amazing to be at the 11 year mark yeah. um, of a project and, and really still feeling the excitement each season mm-hmm. of what's going to happen and who's going to be involved and mm-hmm. what children are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, coming up there every, every day to, to learn and to, to just be at the farm. It's really interesting for me to hear because, um, you know, Nick and I have been a part of open door since it started, but then we went to England for a couple of years and that's when the farm started. Mm. So we came back. I totally yeah. So we that. came back yeah. and there was this farm and people said to us, Oh, you gotta, you gotta get up to the garden. You know, I think, mostly called a garden at that point. Yeah. You get up to the garden. I was like, what yeah. is this? What? Um, yeah. So it's, it's fun for me to hear that history. And, and I agree that it's still, you know, from where I sit on the outside, it still feels new and exciting and dynamic. And, and there's still that sense mm-hmm. of curiosity and mystery of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's still, still there for me not all the time yeah. sometimes i'm uh worn out and yeah <laughs> but yeah it still is a a, a place of beauty and wonder mm. and yeah just yesterday you know the temperature started to drop right now it's six degrees with a, i think wind chill of about minus 18 mm-hmm. outside and yesterday you know the temperatures were dropping and um i was watching the birds, the different, all the different Mm -hmm. birds come to a feeder that we have outside of our greenhouse. And, uh, you know, it's just to be able to stand there and see these creatures that I don't see other places. Um, you know, I don't, I put feeders out at home and they don't show Mm -hmm. up, but at the farm, there's probably in the middle of winter, at least, uh, eight to 10 different species of wow. birds that, that you can see in about an hour of watching the different feeders we have. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of paying mm-hmm. attention. And John, what does that, what does that experience do for you? You know, what is that like to, to be standing there and seeing all the different birds? Hmm. Yesterday was it was a kind of a tough day. I'd, I'd read some uh, read some things um, about the the drought in Australia, mm-hmm. the the drought and just extreme heat. You know, it's kind of ironic. We're we're facing the coldest temperatures yeah. we've had in decades right now, and in Australia, much of the country is facing the the most extreme heat they've ever had um 120 plus degrees fahrenheit and there's a riverbed um in a wilderness area where the wild horses 
uh, go to get water and they it's completely dried up and they the rangers were out and found that the entire herd um, was either dead or dying and you know connecting that with climate change that it's not supposed to be that hot and uh, it's really it's not supposed to be quite this cold all of a sudden with this polar vortex that we have here and there's just so much that's not not supposed to be quite like it is and looking to the future I read another article um just not real hopeful <laughs> and yeah. I wasn't feeling very hopeful yesterday um and uh yeah I, for me connecting with God's creation is mm. with with other people um is how I connect with the creator. Mm -hmm. So to see these, these creatures <laughs> um, doing their thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't always do this, but I entered into a little time of prayer right there and mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, contemplating um, the beauty of creation mm -hmm. and the struggle of creation and uh, that, that we uh, as humans have this ability to do our part and oftentimes we don't. Um, we do the opposite of, of what I think God has called us to and yet we also rely on God and believe that God, the creator, is going to do God's part and maybe in our greatest time of need um, is when God will, will step in Hmm. you've touched on the oh the sense of despair and hopelessness that I think a lot of us carry around you know when we really sit and pay attention to what is happening to our world and to our climate and our environment and I'm hearing that it's not a fix, but I'm hearing that permaculture is that it's like medicine mm -hmm. um, for both communally, you know, for the land, but also individually. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it is. It permaculture can help us understand how how creation works and how we as human beings have the ability um to manage in a sustainable in a life-giving regenerative way uh, mm -hmm. to manage little pockets of creation and create abundance um mm -hmm. in amazing ways so like i said it, it, permaculture is all about abundance and thriving um mm -hmm. and that that we see that happening at the farm not just with plants and um, and migratory birds and things like that, but also with, with kids and families that come there and children who have never touched soil mm. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, picked a, an apple from a tree before. Um, we, see, we see a connection mm. that's supposed to be there, a connection 
to nature that that you know it it's built into who we are as human beings and so we're just trying to to help people make that connection again and when you see that connection forming for children and for adults and everything in between um, when you see that connection to nature forming again I don't think people have a choice but to desire more of it and to mm-hmm. desire a healthier relationship with the earth and with each other um, so that, that's why we do what we do is to just give people um, experiences with food and with plants and animals and soil um, that helps them develop a better relationship to those things yeah. and to the creator um, that, that kind of comes naturally from what I can see uh, when when you're in better relationship to people and food and the earth um, it's a natural connection point um, to the creator Mm. yeah that you can I hadn't thought of the farm that way but you know to think of it as this connection point and that if you can that that's that that is enough to provide a connection Mm. point and then the rest flows naturally you know that Mm -hmm. God takes care of that desire and nurtures the desire and deepens the relationship once that once that initial connection to nature is made mm-hmm. has tell me about your relationship with nature have you is it something you've always felt connected to is it a place you've always connected with god is it something that's come later in life for you it yeah it actually is something that that kind of predates i think um uh, a lot of things in my life um, that that relationship to just loving the outdoors and feeling feeling a holistic connection and well-being in nature mm. um, goes back as far as I can remember and the mm. the thing that didn't fit for me was um, uh uh, my call as a pastor as that started to develop and I couldn't quite figure out, well, how does that work with um, my desire to, you know, my closet mm-hmm. environmentalism. My, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. This is how I often talk, talk about that time in my life. Like I was a wow. closet environmentalist, uh, not understanding how to be an, an evangelical Christian too in my late teens and early 20s and um yeah it was a real tension in my life and I wasn't sure what Mm. what that was gonna how that was gonna play out wow and so So the farm in many ways was a an answer to that question um Yeah. yeah 10 11 12 years ago the farm really fit uh, fit me well <laughs> um, and I, I think it has shown to fit others desire to connect both with the creator and and the creation mm. those two are not uh, juxtaposed against each other in any way yeah 
that's profound language that, Mm. um, you know, as a closet environmentalist and that, that sense of like, um, that separation, you know, that separation Mm -hmm. within who you are and what was it like? What was it like to let that, you know, to let that side of you come to light? I could imagine mm-hmm. that it was scary and I could imagine that it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, it, because we, we were creating a farm, you know, there were, uh, we could talk about the farm in terms only of we're growing food to feed uh, low income families in our neighborhood to get that food to people who need it. And so churches latched on to that vision of growing food for people mm-hmm. um, who otherwise aren't aren't getting mm-hmm. healthy organic produce very easily. Like we, we have a real food desert problem in the Garfield neighborhood. So that, that's a lot of what we what we're about and what we talk about. And pretty much everybody um, agrees that it's a good thing to get good mm-hmm. healthy produce to people. Um, and so, so we're able to, especially in those early days, kind of start at that point and then go deeper from there. So now all of those churches are, um, that have supported the farm kind of get the bigger picture too. And we've been able to really, uh, talk about, talk more about permaculture, talk more about, um, even, climate change and what it's doing um, to our land, to our, uh, even our food systems here um, and, and around the world um, to look at bigger picture issues. So yeah, we, we were able to start slow because we started with a farm. We didn't start with, you know, a, a protest or yeah, it wasn't a dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. How did, um, I'm curious about your sense of God and who God is, you know, and that the, you know, the teenager and the guy in his early twenties who wanted to be a pastor and wanted to serve God and, and who loved the environment. And yeah, maybe talk to me about just your sense of God and how that has shifted through this journey or what you've learned about who God is. Yeah, it it's uh, interesting. I think you know I'm 41, and it's it's interesting and beautiful to look back mm-hmm. um, and see how how my relationship with God has changed. See um, points in my life where it was really, I really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, probably you know a few years into creating the farm there was there was definitely a time where i where i thought i i'd I'd like to just let go of this pastoring thing Mm -hmm. and be a farmer Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, i didn't feel that i had um i had the the spiritual connection going at that point Mm -hmm. and i wasn't sure how to lead a community of of believers into a deeper mm. relationship with God, with the creator. And, you know, it's been the, the past few years have been a real struggle in other ways in my life, my family's life. And yet mm. I've, 
I feel like God has been faithful through that, but in ways that I didn't expect. Mm. Um, so I, I think I've uh, let go of trying to find answers and um, mm. developed practices in my life that that have helped me really connect with uh, kind of a deeper understanding of of who God is and um, mm. what it looks like to have a a connection to the Creator of the universe. So. Um, so yeah, right now the, those practices in my life have really been absolutely necessary to ground me and to, mm. to kind of keep me connected. Um, what are those practices what, for you right now? Can you share? Yeah. So the practices that I have are very, uh, I'm going to use the word grounding. So mm -hmm. very embodied mm -hmm. practices, um, that connect the spiritual and the 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 physical i think so mm -hmm. one of the practices that i have um is uh centering prayer or uh, kind of pure meditation mm -hmm. um uh and it's been years learning how to do that i when i when i was a let's see i think i was in college i did an internship way back at my home church, which is a very large evangelical church. And the youth pastor um, really loved an author, Brennan Manning. He was mm -hmm. a Catholic priest, passed away a couple of years ago. And we were reading a Brennan Manning book. And in the book, the, it was called The Signature of Jesus. And in the book, one of the main uh, ideas in that book is that that we need to develop a practice of centering prayer and I remember reading mm -hmm. about that and it really resonated and yet I didn't do it I didn't get it you know I tried it and was like I my mind just wanders when I do what he's talking about you know yeah. 21 years old and um though it's it stuck with me so mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway that's one of the practices that trying it again at 40 years old uh and really developing a, a practice of centering prayer has been key. Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I do yoga regularly, and mm -hmm. that's pretty new um, for me. She's she's practiced yoga for years, but I haven't, mm -hmm. and that's been a, a really good practice. We do kind of a um, a more meditative yoga, very focused on the breath. And I think mm -hmm. all good yoga is focused on on the breath but um yeah really focused on on the physical connecting the physical to the uh the psychological and our breathing and our our ability to kind of calm and quiet mm -hmm. and yet stay connected to to our physical nature mm -hmm. um other practices are i guess kind of like looking at the birds at the farm, just the yeah. practice of paying attention. The first, you know, the first uh, principle of permaculture is 12 principles that were developed. And the first one is to observe mm. and interact. So it's to mm. just pay attention. It's a deeply spiritual practice. I think it's a deeply spiritual aspect of permaculture. Mm. Um, at least mm -hmm. it can be. Mm -hmm. 
to pay attention to what's going on at what's what's already there yeah. you know if i'm as a as a permaculture designer when i go to a piece of property um you know i i do consulting work and kind of on the side and when i go to a piece of property i usually like to have a conversation with the person who wants to develop that piece of property into a amazing garden hear their ideas but then I like to go there when they're at work or when mm. they're not there so I can just sit and hang out there for a while and mm. pay attention to what it's like there. What's already happening? What would I miss yeah. on that land um, if I just tried to do what I want to do there or do what the homeowner says they want? Mm-hmm. Um, pay attention to what insects and animals and what's the wind doing and how, what are the patterns of uh, of the sun coming through the trees and um, just all those little little aspects. So yeah, le- learning to pay attention and then you start to see beauty um, in places that otherwise you might miss uh, if you weren't paying attention. And yeah. to me, beauty is the the creator's fingerprint. So any any place where I see beauty. I, I try to, um, you know, thank the divine for that beauty, mm. uh, and it's just so easy to miss those things, especially when we're focused on the problems yeah. um, that we want to fix. Yeah, uh, and there are so many problems. Um, so to be able to pause and pay attention to the beauty, to the good, even amidst, you know, in the midst of struggle and pain and problems Mm -hmm. yeah to not be it's not ignoring and it's not denying the problems Mm -hmm. but it's and it's paying attention to the full reality Mm -hmm. Mm. one of the things that i love about permaculture is usually we're we're dealing with problems in permaculture Mm -hmm. our land was like i said bulldozed there was no topsoil, like mm-hmm. lots of invasive species, not much good happening there. It was one big problem, but permaculture is focused on solutions. So you enter into trying to do something good um, and you're just faced with problem after problem after problem. And so permaculture, the, the principles of permaculture really help you uh, turn problems into their own solution to Mm -hmm. to look at sometimes without a problem you're not going to get to the most abundant solution um Mm -hmm. i mean a perfect ecological system is beautiful and we want to just leave leave that alone um problem solving becomes uh solution making and Mm -hmm. um you know, the creation of of more abundance, any abundance in a setting where there was none mm-hmm. is a beautiful and good thing. It's a way of partnership. I hear, mm-hmm. you know, and you said a, a perfect system we leave alone. And it's, and often these problems are man-made problems and mm-hmm. and getting to be a part of getting to be a part of the solution, you know, getting to partner with the creator and create alongside 
Yeah, it's very holy work. Mm -hmm. mm. I hear how your practice is. Um, how your practices support the practice of farming and of permaculture and how mm -hmm. these, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, uh, early on, you know, as, as I said, all the, the project really snowballed quickly. It got bigger than yeah. any of us thought it would really quickly. And there's, there was a time, you know, the same time where I was, questioning my call as a pastor mm -hmm. uh i was just focused on getting the work done mm -hmm. um it was kind of before even before i really studied permaculture i kind of knew about it was learning a little bit but we had the opportunity to create the city's largest permaculture farm and um hundreds and hundreds of volunteers coming and yeah. just it it was this atmosphere of just go for it, just mm -hmm. do it and create this thing, build the topsoil, grow the crops. And um, I really was facing uh, burnout and um, yeah, was question after that was really questioning a lot of things. And so those mm -hmm. spiritual practices coming back into my life are what has grounded me to be able to um, continue to do the work that I think God has called me to. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like we're at a good place yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're a, a much better place. And I think a lot of people can, can tell stories like that mm. where something new is being started and you jump in and, uh, and in some ways move too fast and get too involved and put too much of your mm. yourself into something for a little bit too long. Um, so yeah, it feels like yeah. God has brought us to a, a, a better place now. And uh, we see that I think in the church and with our staff at the farm and, um, you know, other relationships connected to the farm too. Mm. And how did you mention that burnout a couple times that sense of, and maybe I'm not even meant to be a pastor, you know, maybe this is it. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about that journey back to, um, back to being bivocational or, you know, how did God mm -hmm. whisper to you that you were to continue as a pastor? Mm -hmm. Well, it was, it was pr you know, fairly gradual. Mm -hmm. One of the things uh, about three years ago, uh, BJ, uh, the lead pastor of the church, uh, took a four-month sabbatical. And I remember I was on the phone with him. I guess this was almost four years ago now on the phone talking about the sabbatical. And he was talking about bringing in somebody to do preaching. And he really wanted me to be able to do my job, which mm -hmm. was at that point really felt like 90% farming and, um, and leading the music at, at church. And you know, I kind of paused and I said, you know, this is my chance to see if I still want to be a pastor. I think I said something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were very honest with each other, uh, throughout the years and, and, uh, 
and just saying that was was really good for me to yeah. to say to him like you know i'm not sure um but you're gonna be gone for four months and i'd love to be the pastor of the open door uh while you're gone i'm supposed to be <laughs> that with you anyway um so that that was good to be able to say that and then enter into his sabbatical as you know we didn't hire another pastor to come in and do the preaching or the pastoral care or uh moderate session um mm. so that was that was a really good thing for me to be able to to bring some of the things that i i had been learning through the farm to really bring it to the church um and yeah maybe that was a bit of a turning mm. point um and now i guess one of the other things that the really beautiful things is the connection between the open door church and garfield community farm there was a time where it felt the farm was growing so fast and the church was small and it just felt like the farm was in some ways too big for the church and people didn't mm -hmm. get what there's a church that has a farm and that's our, we have a farm <laughs> like yeah. what, 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 like people it felt like people didn't get it and we were kind of moving toward becoming a separate uh separate nonprofit and didn't want to burden the church with this big developing kind of farming ministry and over the past few years the that connection has really developed mm -hmm. in a, a healthy way and um, it was great a couple of weeks ago to hear Pastor BJ uh, give a sermon that normally he would ask mm. me to give on uh, <laughs> caring for creation and, and our connection to the created world and just, you know, a really beautiful sermon that he gave. Uh, and uh, yeah, to, to see that to 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 see that connection in in many people in our yeah. church um has really helped me to to know that being a pastor and being a farmer and an environmentalist and a climate activist and all of those things do fit together and need to fit together yeah, so, yeah. oh that's beautiful that's beautiful the you know the sabbatical kind of forcing the issue for you, you know, and giving mm -hmm. you a chance to vocalize the the desire, at least for a little bit, you know, I want to try this, I want to see how it goes. And as you were describing the church's journey to integration with the farm, it, it reminds mm -hmm. me of you and your own journey of, mm -hmm. of integration of these two parts of who you are. And yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it's been a it I mean, you come to the open door church, it if you don't know the church, you don't you kind of show up hundred hundred or so people. Um it's it's surprising to hear that this church has mm. a farm. And it's an urban mm. church and it has a farm and uh that that's an interesting thing and i think it's a good thing and and uh the church has really taken ownership of it 
and made it yeah. their thing. And there was a time where it felt like yeah. it was my thing and I didn't want it to just be my thing. I wanted it to be the church's mm-hmm. thing, but I had to let the church make that call yeah. without, you know, without me trying to make it happen. And they did. And yeah, thank God for mm-hmm. that. It's been a journey that's taken a lot of trust though. Mm-hmm. Mm. and expands yeah. you know you said it's surprising it's surprising this urban church has a farm and um see it expands our sense of where where we expect god to be and mm-hmm. where we expect connection with god to happen and to be nurtured yeah i our church has a farm of course and is really focused on um what you're passionate about and that is contemplative mm-hmm. prayer and i've kind of hit on that as being something important in my life but to see those things come together over the past few years uh has really and it's been another one of those things that's really solidified in me that um that there is no separation mm-hmm. between the mm-hmm. spiritual life and yeah. the rest of life. That uh, Garfield Community Farm has a prayer labyrinth where people can come and 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 pray and meditate. Where I I go to pray and meditate. I didn't create mm-hmm. the prayer labyrinth. That uh, people from our church did. It wasn't my mm-hmm. idea. It was. Um, it was the church's idea to create that space. And so the church has really informed mm-hmm. the farm and informed my, how I manage and direct the farm in many ways. Um, and the contemplative life mm-hmm. uh, is really built into what we do now as Garfield Community mm-hmm. Farm. And I, you, you shared the first principle of permaculture, you know, being observing and paying attention. And, and as you said, that's such a spiritual practice. And although I knew before our conversation, like, oh yeah, definitely permaculture is a, you know, I can see how that's a spiritual practice. I don't know that I knew just how closely the language would align. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We have to be careful with, with, permaculture because you don't want to label it as a christian thing absolutely Um, yeah it's it's for anybody and everybody so there are permaculture practitioners who are atheist or agnostic um muslim and hindu every everyone is invited into the practice of permaculture of caring for creation in a way that creates abundance and thriving for both nature and people and yet it totally connects for me at least with what it is to live out my christian faith the Mm -hmm. the ethics of permaculture are to care for creation care for the earth care for people and the third one is fair share which really is about justice that Mm. that all aspects in our control um have what they need uh when it comes to the earth and when it comes to people that that 
all different elements in our care have what what they need to thrive Mm -hmm. fair share so when i heard those ethics um they connected perfectly with with what i felt god had called humanity to be about from the you know from the stories in genesis uh in the garden um we were called to to care for the garden to care for the earth Mm. and throughout scriptures to to care for one another care for the stranger and the immigrant and and to make sure that all people have what they need um, to be able to thrive and to know God yeah. uh, seems to be what it's about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to ask for resources for people, but first, before I do. I've noticed how often you've you've used the name creator for God. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what that name, you know, what that name holds for you and what it says to you about who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's so big. Yeah. Um, my understanding of God has um, has really deepened and broadened and gotten much bigger mm. than the boxes that I mm. once tried to push God into. Um, so by mm. by using language that like Creator God, like mm. the Divine Presence, um, Spirit, it just helps me to. Um, to use my imagination a bit more mm-hmm. about um, about who God is and what God is up to. <laughs> um, yeah. So I primarily see see God as as a creative force, as the mm-hmm. the creator who continues to create and to inspire humanity to be creative like god is being created in the image of god means to me that we are also creative beings Mm -hmm. Uh, with god's breath enlivening us we have the ability to solve problems to um to see a massive problem like climate change and use our god-given creativity to find solutions and to allow uh, to allow humanity to continue to thrive on this planet as mm-hmm. as long as God would have us. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love I love using language that that informs who we are, who who God is, and who we are in relationship to God. So I had a professor in seminary who um, who had us read bunch on celtic christianity Mm -hmm. and um authors like john philip newell Mm -hmm. uh, has really helped me to see to you know continue to deepen my understanding of god as as a creator Mm -hmm. and as uh in all of creation yeah um he 
that professor, Dr. Andrew Purvis, uh, mm. you know, it, it kind of known as being a very orthodox, uh, reformed theologian. Um, and, and yet he kind of quietly in one class said, you know, I'm, I'm actually a panentheist, not a pantheist, meaning God is everything, but um, panentheism is God is in present with working within everything so uh the creator god doesn't isn't separate and distant from creation but is in it with it suffering with it you know creating the 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 beauty within it Um, from within not from without but from within creating beauty in all of creation so that's a very long answer to a simple question. Oh, it was, I don't think it was a simple question. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. That's beautiful. That um, what I was feeling as you were describing was just the sense of privilege that comes with that. You know, the sense of awe to be able to bear witness to this creator and to God's creation and the privilege of coming alongside, you know, the privilege of creating with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The, the privilege of being able to create with. Yeah. 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 And that our names are important and are we using, mm. are we using names and language that are expansive that contain possibility? Are we using names and language that, that create boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to use names for God. I th- I think the the worst name for God might be God. Because, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't carry much uh, much meaning. I mean, for most of us, there's all sorts of baggage connected mm-hmm. to the, the idea of God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fine. We I. I've probably said God a hundred times in the past hour, but, um, but to connect other language names that, uh, that are inclusive, that, that create a sense of, um, uh, of belonging and Mm. connection Mm. to that, whatever our ideas of God are. That's what, that's what I'm interested in and looking for. Mm. So, John, I can imagine that people will listen to our conversation and think, that sounds great. You know, I want I want some of um, some of what he was sharing about in my life. You know, I could use some places of hope and connection and action when mm-hmm. I am feeling um, hopeless or despondent about what's happening in the world. And maybe I want to try permaculture in my yard. Um, (laughs) Where, where would you suggest people start? Because like you said, it's overwhelming. You know, if you start to look for resources, there's so much out there and there's so much information. Mm -hmm. Um, It depends where your starting point is Mm -hmm. and what you're, you know, what, what do you, what do you really want to do? What, sure. 
I think one of the best places to start if you have kids is um, to start walking places mm. and and hiking in, in the woods <laughs> to get your kids out of the house and off of screens and outside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's nothing that can be for your children and for us as adults. There's there's really nothing that can be being outside in the creative world, um, in, in the woods, mm-hmm. in desert places, in mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah. And if you live in the city, uh, sure, getting out to a park and, mm-hmm. and spending time outside, but um, walking your neighborhood, mm-hmm. slowing down a little bit. Um, it's one of the other practices that I have right now in my in my rule of life uh, is to walk more and to bike more, which means not driving as much, and it means getting places late sometimes mm-hmm. and um, being okay with like having to say one less meeting today because I'm on foot mm-hmm. and I can't get all three of them in in the afternoon because I need more time between them. Um, so yeah, just mm-hmm. intentional practices to slow down, mm-hmm. um, I think is a good place to start. Probably yeah. not an expected place to start. Yeah, but as soon as you uh, said it, I was surprised. I thought, well, that makes so much sense given what you shared mm-hmm. about the first principle of permaculture and mm-hmm. just start with paying attention and slowing down and yep. noticing. And we can look at your backyard and, uh, plant fruit trees and native uh, pollinators and put a whatever, a chicken coop and a rabbit hutch and get compost going. And we can do all that stuff. And that's all great and fun and going to mean your kitchen's full of produce in the summertime. And yeah, that's, that's great. We can do all that stuff, but, but it starts with the interior. Mm. Uh, for me, at least, it starts with uh, with getting outside and getting our kids outside and yeah. developing developing practices that help us to slow down. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Was there? You're welcome. Is there anything you didn't get to share that you wanted to, or? Um, no, I, I didn't have too much of an agenda. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a list of, I want to talk about this. So your questions were great. And, um, it's, you know, it's just been nice, really good to be able to, to think through, talk through, uh, with you some of these things. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Thank you, listeners, for exploring with us today. You can learn more about John and his work with Garfield Community Farm at garfieldfarm.com. And you can listen to This Side of Eve's newest EP, Take Me Down, as well as the music we used in our show at thissideofeve.bandcamp.com. You can also find links to the resources that John mentioned in our show notes. 
I hope that today's conversation inspires you to play with spiritual practices in your daily life. To maybe slow down and pay more attention. If you do, I'd love to hear about it. You can reach me via my website, laurenburdett.com. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. That will help other listeners to find us. I'll be back next week with a new conversation.